Welcome back to Reformed Millennials, the podcast where finances, economic trends, and sports intersect. Cam and Joel help listeners better invest their time and money. Also, it's important for listeners to understand that investing in equities, fixed income instruments, and or alternative asset classes involves substantial risk of loss. Any action you may take as a result of the information presented in this podcast is your own responsibility. The information in this podcast is presented as a general educational, informational, and entertainment resource only. While Joel is registered to provide investment advice, this podcast does not provide individualized investment, tax, or insurance advice, nor is it meant as a recommendation to any listener to buy or sell any specific securities or otherwise take any other form of investment action. This is an excerpt of the full legal disclaimer that's available on the landing page of this podcast, which includes whether Cam Pitchers or Joel Shackleton have any ownership or interest in the specific securities discussed in this podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, man. Welcome back. It was nice. It's nice seeing your face. Great seeing your face. After seeing it once a week for 52 weeks, it's good to have a break. Yeah, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Honestly, it was, a, it was a good break for me. I, I got to go to the mountains. I got to see, you know, having a three-year-old opening presents on Christmas Day, totally different experience than being a 33-year-old mm-hmm. opening Christmas presents alone. Really brings you back to the real meaning of Christmas, right? Mm. Ripping through things and playing with stuff. Well, it definitely like, re-engages you a bit. <laughs> My daughter's too young to ex- have experienced this quite yet, but um, well, I should say, it, for sure, with my five-year-old, it's like he wants to focus on something now. I think you're, you're just starting to get to that where yeah. like your son will like want to like dive into something rather than be pulled in 55 different directions. So it's like when you see that that opening of a gift and it's either something that they ask for or something you just know that they're going to love and they just want to spend like three hours doing it. And then it's like something that where you get to relive it. If it's like a, you know, a puzzle or a science project or an art thing or whatever it might be. Um, it's just so it reinvigorates you to realize you're like, Oh, like this is what like wonder looks like. And yeah, excitement and this is like, what life is all about like innocent like the innocence that comes from that yeah. too it's just it's it's awesome i wish we could all stay three years old because that is clearly peak the best, happiness the best perspective you're gonna have yeah yeah have you actually ever seen that <laughs> happiness chart and it starts at zero ends at 100 mm-hmm. and then it's a big smiley face so yeah. really we're right at the base the trough <laughs> the bottom of happiness mm-hmm. at our age isn't that nice it is yeah, I can definitely attest to that being true as I'm in the middle of a house reno. I think that that is peak stupid, which makes me at the bottom of that chart. Cam, this week we're going to talk about, or we're going to kind of review our 10 predictions from last year, mm-hmm. ours being mine, I think. Um, I'm not super thrilled with the results in mm-hmm. terms of like my performance on all of this. However, the ones that actually mattered from an investment perspective, not bad. However, I'm still barely batting 50 here. I don't even know if I am. I feel like that's pretty good. That's not terrible, given um, where I'm at on that. Though this year, we've de- I've decided to go with 24 for 24. I don't think I'm going to go 25 for 25 next year. But um, 
let's start with the last year's stuff. So yeah. um, I had gold price breaking out. That actually did occur. We did see all-time highs in gold price. That said, um, when I wrote this, I definitely meant it would break out quite a bit more than what it has. Um, its performance last year was right around 11 or 12%. Not bad for a base metal. It outperformed Canada, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one, TikTok being banned in the U.S. Didn't get that one right. Whoopsie. Oh, boy. I'm guessing that's a 2025 occurrence. Um, it's very unlikely that a social media network that supports the current, I shouldn't say supports the current um, administration in the United States. I should say that they are, their demographic that they're trying to attain. I was going to say, they can, there's no way they can do this in an election no, year. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no chance that they're going to do this now. They might do it if you see a change in administration in the United States after this coming presidential election, mm. but ain't happening this year. Probably won't happen until the next one, if at all. I hope it happens, just likely won't. Um, the third one, PE takes a number of public SaaS companies private. This did occur. Um, I think that that's likely going to increase in pace this year as well. PE has the largest cash position it's ever had in history. Um, PE being private equity, I just, I'm of the opinion that this is likely going to continue. Number four, Tesla hits $65 a share. It didn't quite hit 65, it hit 98. That being said, um, this year coming up for Tesla, I'm actually quite concerned about it. If you consider it being a big component of the big seven, which I think a lot of people do, um, if you look at the prevailing trend in their car prices, their margins, um, competition, and then just the cost of refinancing vehicles, mm-hmm. and it's looking as though there's going to be quite a few headwinds for Tesla moving forward. They're not even the largest on a over the last quarter largest sale seller of of evs in the world did you know mm. byd in the united in china that doesn't uh, surprise me i think um if you look at i mean i'm sure the rhetoric has changed for sure as well but i think as most recently as last week elon had quote tweeted somebody talking about tesla and maybe some of the struggles that they were this person was projecting or or seeing or whatever it might be and basically said people are often confused that Tesla is a car company. And I know you said it on this podcast before too. And like, what, what is Tesla truly on a go forward basis or what does it represent holistically? You know, it's, and he described it, I believe as a, you know, AI and technology company that is currently in the car market. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think obviously I, with presenting it that way as well, obviously, then that's being, you know, your, your founder presenting it that way, obviously trying to probably realign expectations too, from that standpoint and say like, you know, just because we, we knock down the door for a lot of this technology and the, the, the sentiment around the move towards electric vehicles. I think that's what he wants Tesla to be remembered for in terms of, in the car industry. I don't think that's what he wants Tesla to be remembered for forever and ever, no. obviously. No. So I think the re- fact that it didn't, it didn't dip down to 65 was just truly based off of Cybertruck. So <laughs> I don't even know if it's it, <laughs> what exactly kept it above that price target. But um, the way that I look at it is until they have some sort of breakthrough and they're full self-driving, it's going to be pretty challenging to see any sort of 
multiple expansion. And while revenues are improving and they're delivering more cars than ever, mm-hmm. I, I'm of the opinion that until it's transitioned, yeah, away from being an actual car company, which is metal and low margin, it's going to be a challenge for them to continue to grow. Um, but the minute they end up getting that that catalyst in terms of business structure changing, mm-hmm. well, then that would be a time to pivot. Well, but, and that, and you talk about the infrastructure in the United States in regards to charging and and the build out of that. Like that's going to be one thing that they are also supporting on a go forward, no, which sure. could be pretty monumental. Yeah, North America alone potentially across the world, right? Yeah, we're actually seeing the largest manufacturing and industrial spend in our generation's history in the United States and in Canada, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We're bringing more jobs back home. Like, I mean, reshoring of, of, of the build-out of our countries, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, best-performing large-cap stocks of 2023. I went with Meta, which was the best-performing large-cap, and then Chinese tech, which wasn't. Um, 50 50 is not, not bad, bad. Uh, Pinduo duo and, um, me and Tuin, JD.com. They actually did perform quite well. They didn't outperform the rest of the large caps. Tencent, however, and Alibaba did not. So I don't know. I call this a 65% win. I'm obviously biased here. <laughs> Round up. Um, Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next SBF gets life in prison. I mean, he got over a hundred years, which means he's likely going to stay there for life. With all that said, there's. They're not retesting or re-litigating his trial, so that would suggest to me that they feel the result was sufficient. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he ever gets out. Maybe he does. Um, I don't. I'm not a lawyer, so I got no idea. Well, you know what? That's actually a lie. When he's 55, he's going to get out and he's mm-hmm. going to open up a fund, <laughs> and then he's going to start investing people's money again, almost mm-hmm. guaranteed. I just feel like when you have, by all accounts, a pretty unique brain. Like, I mean, not, I'm not going to say generational intelligence, intelligence kind of thing, but you got a big brain guy. There's usually some leverage with that, that the What do you think the United agencies. States is like, oh, we need this. We need this guy. Well, I don't jail. know. He's I don't know. I just, I just, you just watch enough documentaries and hear enough about when you have the people who go down there at the very top, finding ways to utilize their, their previous knowledge or their understanding. I'm bring of this other back situations. up a little later in the mm. podcast because I do want to talk about it. It's a, my my gripe with Netflix. Okay. But it makes you think that <laughs> everything that you watch is real IRL or what? No, no, no. Netflix is the battle or the base of all new conspiracy theory. And oh, it's yeah. then argued it's made on Twitter. It's mainstream. I love it. 100%. <laughs> um, number eight, major sports sales. Oh, you skipped one. I UCP lose the election. They won the election. <laughs> So I thought that the UCP was going to lose the election in Alberta. Wrong. I also well, don't think I, they're I th- going to lose the next one either. So I think I think though, from that standpoint, when we would have been sitting here in December, January, and it just speaks to the fact that what politics are—I mean, to a lesser degree sometimes in Canada—but the ability to change sentiment, perspective, talking points, focus on what you need to focus on at the given time is I think it was a pretty good example of that. Like I think sitting here in December, January, December of 22, January of 23, I think there was a lot of unknowns at that point. And I think the, a lot of the things we talked about 
UCP needed to focus on heading into the election, they did do that. Mm. And it came out in the results. Like, I mean, I know you can only throw certain polling numbers. Like, you can only trust them so much, as we've seen before in, in you know, past U.S. elections and, and whatnot as well. But at the same time, I, I feel like there was a pretty big shift in a pretty short amount of time with the amount of other, whether it be, you know, the marketing campaign or their talking points or their investments in certain or commitments in certain areas of, of, of government over the period leading up to leading up to the election that that really ended up I mean, I'm not going to say landslide, but like, I mean, pretty close in terms of support for the UCP that where we didn't really see that happening earlier in the year. No, I'm definitely surprised by it. I am currently living in a household that would think that there wasn't or there isn't a chance of them ever sticking around. But again, Mm. that is not a proper survey survey. Absolutely (laughs) not. Major sports team sales. We nailed these ones. Yeah, two for two. So the Sens went for over $750 million, which at the time they were valued at five. So mm-hmm. we were giving it a 50%. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think you, like, I'll, I'll give you credit and said, I think you did say that you thought it was going to end up being between 900 and a billion originally. And I was like, oh, that's crazy high. We should cut, split the difference kind of thing. But it ended up being right next to a billion dollars in terms of valuation. Yeah, and so, you notice that just bumped up the rest of the franchises. I mean, there's, yeah, there's nothing, a lot more talk. There's nothing more important in investing than investing in areas in which are one trending up and then two have scarcity Mm -hmm. you can't just buy another hockey team yeah you can if you're going to way overpay for it yeah well and people are going to that's the that's the thing it's like this this recent i think all this recent sports activity has really increased or sports buying and selling has really started to reinvigorate the expansion talk I mean, obviously the NHL has had recent history of doing two teams in the last, whatever it is, five or seven years, whatever it is for Vegas has been in. Um, but, you know, there's more talk there of expand, like another two teams in NHL. The NFL is always talking about, you know, they're more talking about global expansion, which is, you know, again, kind of crazy. We talked about that before. NBA, same thing. You know, Vegas, Seattle looking to get back in. So the fact that they're, like to your point, they're, I think they're probably waiting for some of these new TV, like the media right stuff to kind of maybe figure itself out first a little bit more. Cause I'm sure like perspective, perspective owners or expansion owners would, that would be a pretty big piece for them to have to understand and want, you know, more solid information on as to how it is that my ROI is going to work on this investment because like they can smack a billion dollar price tag on something for the NHL, for example, based off the send sale or whatever it might be. But that was, you know, obviously we you always talk about point in time valuation. Again, I think there's a lot more unknowns at this point in terms of the shifting landscape with with the media rates and, and how their content is going to be pushed out. But I could see, again, in the next five years, I'm not going to make a 24 prediction because nothing happens that fast in, in terms of this expansion stuff. But in the next five to 10 years, I think you're going to see every one of those big four sports uh, expand, or I'd say three. I'm, I, MLB, I'm not sure if they if they have the ability to. Maybe some relocations. They yeah, kind put, of feel like they have the right number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just get all those uh, 14 to 16-year-old kids that are... They could, uh, they could have an under-18 <laughs> they team. They would have a pretty good team, yeah. <laughs> they could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one was Man U selling, because at the time, that's when... So the Glazer family, who 
has owned Manchester United, for, I think, for over a decade now, um, or at least majority ownership, sorry. And they were, there was essentially an article that came out, I think, right before we made these predictions saying that they were looking at a bunch of strategic alternatives, <laughs> whatever that meant at the time. Mm-hmm. So either like a full sale, partial sale, minority sale, whatever it might be. They just recently, it finished, I think, closed in November or early December. So Jim Ratcliffe, uh, billionaire Brit, uh, who was kind of the favored or the... I guess from a public sentiment in Manchester, for example, that was their ideal guy to come in. And so he came in at 25% stake and the valuation somewhere between 5.5 and 6.5 billion, depending on how you, how certain people break down the, the debt that's associated with, with Manchester United right now, which is a record valuation. Yeah. So the Broncos had sold in, in 2022 for 4.65. Uh, Chelsea's um, valuation, it was, I don't, I'm not sure how that all worked out, but so another football club in, in England had to be sold as a result of the Russian sanctions that were put on um, all of he their billionaire about. oligarchs. Yeah, but 5.2 billion. So anyway, it's obviously, like you said, like this is just, especially the NFL um, premiership football this is all just pushing the envelope in terms of these valuations and i think we saw obviously washington commanders obviously sell as well for a number higher than the broncos so it's just you know these these numbers are getting outlandish and and crazy and like you said it's it's not based off of the forbes article it's not based off of the you know necessarily the the tangible numbers all the time it's <laughs> the scary this who, isn't how, a cash how many are up like, yeah exactly they're not looking at this as being okay I'm going to pay six billion for this, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking I might get a ten percent cash return on this each year. Like, there's no way they're generating six hundred million dollars in cash flow. Exactly, ain't happening. Yeah, this is purely just like anyone buying a house in Vancouver, a bet on the price going up. A hundred percent. I mean, everyone likes capital gains over dividends, anyways. Oh um, yeah. Um, last, it was a or a prediction that we believed that there would be a big year for Canadian energy. I actually think that this was mostly true. I, we had a a changing reality in in the WS spread between WTI and WCS. I actually think that's going to continue to to, to close. Um, the sentiment in our largest exporter of of energy in Canada, mm-hmm. being Alberta, is mm-hmm. strong. We are the strongest province by a mile right now. Um, while that has hurt our healthcare system because of the 200 plus thousand people moving here every year it is also benefiting our economy we are booming i I don't care what anyone says like things are looking pretty darn good insert biden gif it's good for the economy what's good for the economy (laughs) it hurts nobody (laughs) um so yeah i mean I had a bunch of. I think it depends. Yeah, here, you, but. you had. Yeah, you had some. I guess maybe sub points to this, but I think the takeaway there is not big year for Canadian energy. I think we we saved ourselves because we can we can spin this in whatever way we want. Yeah. In terms of is is it, it wasn't a prediction stock, on oil prices? Yeah, Let's stock market, that. oil price, future sentiment, future outlook of of the of the Canadian energy market, either in Canada as a whole or in Alberta specifically, where we are at. I think there's a, a lot of points where you can say it was a big year, yeah, and an, and a, and a good f- a future basis for, I think the whole country, yeah, totally. So moving into 2024 predictions, I want to caveat it all with saying that um, when it comes to how markets price, 
everything is generally speaking priced in based on what current consensus is. Mm -hmm. So when you're making predictions moving forward and you're looking for whatever that might be a huge change or what's the biggest risk going into the year, everyone's always trying to choose that. Mm -hmm. um, like right now, a lot of people would consider Taiwan being a big black swan. Um, all of these things are items that would destabilize, cut prices, and make us worried. Mm -hmm. um, a big shift in the expectations in who's president, or rather who's going to win as president. Um, a shift in where the Fed policy goes. A shift in how AI is evolving. All of these things would cause markets to either go up or down. Um, but I want everyone to, to kind of understand that we never actually can conceptualize what will be the the reason for a recession next year mm -hmm. or in the years following. We don't have a clue, and that's the reason why it becomes it, it is a surprise. If we could predict it, we would solve it. Our our people as a human as a as a race, we end up solving backwards. Mm -hmm. When we look at the pandemic, we we consider new laws around how we're going to handle the next pandemic. And then we never get one for 100 years. Same thing with the financial crisis. We end up putting in new financial rules so that it doesn't occur again. Mm -hmm. We're never proactive in a lot of ways. And it, whether it be Not war, that it's easy, pandemics, but, recessions, yeah. all of those things are, we're always looking backwards. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, in, I, when I go through these 24 predictions, I, I actually want to point out where that might differ. So the first one is, and I think this is already on its way, uh, cancel culture gets canceled. I'm, I think the pendulum's swinging hard back the other direction. Mm. If you just look at what's just occurred at the three major universities that were uh, put up in front of the GOP Congress, and then they were definitely, it was a challenging event for them. And then yeah. you saw two of the presidents fired. And yeah. It's looking like the MIT president's also on her way out. Mm. It, to me, is a shift the other direction, especially if you're on Twitter, you notice it. Mm -hmm. You see Elon really pushing that narrative. You look at the All In podcast, they're pushing that narrative. You've seen a shift in a lot of who would identify a center moving that way. Um, they're calling out large institutions like Harvard and Penn and MIT and the way in which they're handling what is now the big topic, DEI, diversity, mm -hmm. um, equity and inclusion. Um, for the last 10 years, it's been ESG, but now they've shifted to DEI. <laughs> it's all um, coming to the forefront, and I'm guessing that this will be a huge topic with um, uh, the, the 2024 presidential election. I was watching the last night while I was uh, watching Guy work out. I uh, was watching the CNN um, town halls with mm. DeSantis and Nikki Haley, and that was a huge topic for them to, to talk about. That was all they wanted to talk about because, mm. of course, the right is definitely much more involved with the rejection of DEI and meritocracy and all of those sorts of things, whereas the left is really trying to push for it. Mm. Um, and I think that we're just going to see this pendulum swing really hard the other direction. And I'm guessing it's probably not going to be for the better. Um, it's There are going to be people that are hurt. And I think that there should be people um, reconsidering why it's happening and understanding that it's likely going to and at least do their best to put brakes on it and try to stop it near the middle. Well, I was going to say, that's I think at the end of the day, that's what you have to hope and pray for is 
that that's where you end up falling is somewhere in the middle. And I mean, obviously, yeah. like, I mean, it's really easy to say, really easy to sit on the old fence on that one. But that's like, this is an example of where you want to be on the fence uh, in terms of understanding or just being being considerate and at the same time rational about the... I don't think our large institutions are going to do much about no, going the other way. No, which I, think I would will agree. Help. But I mean, but yeah, okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like yeah. our, the large businesses in Canada and the United States, I don't think they're just going to magically snap their fingers and remove their entire oh, no, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, there's right? so much investment going into that right now. Yeah, it's huge. So I, at the end of the day, it's it's going to be a part of it. It's just how much of it is again over and above or taking precedence over other things that make our economy work. Yeah, and, and so, is it, I mean, you saw, I think as of last night, like Mark Cuban and Elon and a bunch of other, let's call it thought leaders going back and forth on Twitter, just sharing, sharing. I, I, I thought some of the de- debate or the, some of the, interesting, yeah. was interesting. It wasn't necessarily just a, um, you know, pissing contest at the end of the day. It was actually talking about their perspectives. And I, I kind of appreciate that. And I think you've definitely seen a shift on that on, on, on X in terms of the 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 general, I guess, some of the markers that they would look at in terms of either whether it be keywords or, you know, trends or whatever it might be. There's been a quite a large shift from, you know, call it pre-Elon to, to post-Elon in, in regards to his takeover. And I think... Is it shifting too far to the right? I'm sure some would probably probably say that. But I think his ultimate goal in terms of what he said he wants to do with Twitter is make it somewhere where everyone is heard, right? And everyone can share their opinion. So I think you are like as you can argue whether or not it's going going about it the right way. But I think he has achieved some of that. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the if we would have added a couple of extra predictions to 2023, I think we would have probably said, you know, not shoot, not sure how well this is going to go for Elon in terms of taking over X and what X is, is X going to fall off is, is threads going to take over as the dominant, you know, social, like, you know, um, agile he just, social. He just posted frame. that X it hit its all time largest engagement. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it has, he, he hasn't failed wow. at this takeover. So I mean, he can make no money on it; it won't matter. No, no, I, but, but so I mean, in in terms of, I think what he truly does view it as, to a degree, is that it's an, it's important for the social fabric in terms of having conversation and having somewhere to get a lot of information all in one spot. So and have access to that information, no different than you know, people are should be uh, have the ability to access that information is no different than ha- have the ability to access internet. If you know what I mean, so. So let's move on to the next one. Ozempic or GLP ones, depending on which podcast you're listening to, <laughs> will become or be bigger from a market perspective than AI. So this is a pretty bold statement, I suppose. Um, you mean in the in the in 2024? Yeah, I, I mean, God, it'd be pretty stupid to assume that that's going to be the case moving forward past like 2050. So this but, is the trend. The 2024 yeah, I think trend. that 2024, probably the next three years, that. You're going to have 30 plus million people in the United States on this drug. Mm-hmm. It's going to make Botox look small in terms of its impact on culture. I actually believe this to be a turning point in healthcare, which will be this kind of lines up with one of my other predictions for the year. The longevity. Um, yeah. Longevity and deflating of healthcare. 
So for the last 25, 30 years, we've talked about how healthcare has expanded in terms of its costs relative to market or our wallet share. I think that all of these things are going to be a huge deflator of that. Mm. Um, so Ozempic being a GLP-1, being a weight loss drug, and I think what we're also noticing is that it also improves people that have other addictions, whether it be alcohol, drugs, et cetera. It's pretty impressive, the early results. Now, mm-hmm. there could very well be other downsides. Um, I'm growing a third arm. Honestly, for- my, <laughs> I, my, I have a cousin who's lost 80 pounds, mm-hmm. and he's a completely different person. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see the current e- equal downsides from a health perspective yet, obviously. Yeah, can't, yeah. Like anything, we don't know until 30 years down the road. It's mm-hmm. kind of like smoking, right? Everyone assumed it was great. Uh, number three, S&P 500 sees a 15% gain. Um, the majority of analysts are suggesting that we're going to see 4,800, which is effectively an 8% upside. I think what's important for listeners to know is that um, markets, while they have returned, call it 8 to 10% annually for the last 100 years, depending on which one you're looking at, mm-hmm. um, it never comes at 8% a year. It's always minus 15, plus 30, minus 4, plus 28. Mm-hmm. It never comes as easy as 8%. So it's easy for them to just forecast, okay, we're going to see $250 in S&P 500 earnings. We're going to attach a 18 multiple or 17 multiple on that. So 8% next year. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's exactly <laughs> what every analyst does. So when you're looking at them and uh, you're assuming that that's going to happen, I think that it's take that with a grain of salt. It's likely that we see something greater than that or less than that. It's very unlikely that you're going to get average. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, Jerome Powell is going to lead the Fed in 24. In my opinion, he's accomplished what he wants to accomplish. He achieved soft landing, at least in the market size right yeah. now. And I don't think he has any interest in a Donald Trump presidency and him being the Fed chair again. He had to go through that once. I don't um, think he's interested. He's mm-hmm. got a great track record right now. Sure, he was the initiator of, of inflation in the first place. He also is the one who has tamed the economy without going into recession or tamed inflation without going into a recession, I think he's going to leave on the high note. There's nothing more classy in life than when you leave at the top. And that would be a pretty good idea for him. The worst part of that is the memes that are going to go away. Everyone's going to be super sad. But you know what? They Those all existed with Bernanke too. And yellow. Fair. It's easy to change the money printer meme <laughs> with a new face. <laughs> okay, fair so enough. next, TikTok getting banned in the U.S. and Canada. I think this will happen after the election. Um, Number six, I think this is much more interesting. The biggest or hypest IPO of the year is going to be Kim K. Spanx. Um, that along with Stripe. Stripe being a pretty darn good business. If you have are running any sort of e-commerce business, you've run mm-hmm. into and or used Stripe. Uh, but Kim K. Spanx, pretty, pretty cool in terms of how doesn't the NASDAQ and or the uh, New York Stock Exchange not want her ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. For sure it is. An incredible rise, isn't it, really? Honestly, you, you got to give her pr- props. I need, like, the last dance documentary over, like, her. Like, well, right the now they have, they have a show on Crave right now. It's the Kardashian something. I don't know. I guess it's just, like, something. I mean, you're never going to get it, I guess, at the end of the day, potentially. But, like, you know, an all-access, not all-access, but a truly objective view. Of what? Of that family's rise 
I just think there's a, too much. If you gonna in order to get the information that you'd want to get, you gotta talk what to the do people. We even want to know about it? I don't know. I think it's interesting for sure to see. I think if anyone's been the most transparent with their lives, it's the Kardashians. Is it? I don't. I, I mean, yeah. obviously everything seems super fake, but I think that's because <laughs> they are. I just mean in terms of what the family dynamic was. Oh. Call it when when we were like starting with like the OJ. Well, you got to go after the less successful family members who are upset. Y- yeah, fair. Okay, that's, that's actually a really the, good targeting. The but then again, then the the backlash is always well, those people just wanted to just wanted to you know. Yeah. go after the ones that, that screwed them so you're going to get it you're not going to you're never going to get a completely objective view and full access with any of these families especially nowadays where you know the knowing that everything you do is under the microscope we've known that now for too long for there to be too much dirt or too much too much all access given yeah, at the totally. end of the day everything is overproduced and from a perspective rather than just open-ended but Anyways, I, I just always, whenever I hear her name, it's just, I just think about the fact that this all just stemmed from this high profile trial. <laughs> it's crazy. Like if you, if you were to put that meme, that tiny domino that knocks over. The yeah, exactly. One, yeah, exactly. If yeah, you were to 100%. apply that to the, to Kim K, yeah. honestly, an incredible run. I have to give her props. Also, I mean, if in my mind, there's nothing that you, that will show you where trends are going than watching what necessarily she's wearing what she's doing what she's saying because mm-hmm. she truly does move markets mm-hmm. so you gotta i mean you gotta respect that multi-generational too which is yeah crazy yeah you just wait for north she is already pretty oh saucy <laughs> it's coming um longevity products go mainstream obviously if you're a podcast listener you're already going to assume that this is happening because if you listen to any podcast you have all of Huberman's and, and Atia's products that are marketing. What is the Athletic Greens? I think is the number one podcast sponsor. So like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a longevity product. I and think not, that it just continues to accelerate. Not to mention the fact that it's not just on health podcasts either. It's like you got like two bears, one cave. With yeah. Like Segura and Kreischer I mean, having. Look at how good he looks. He's probably lost 60 pounds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good for him. Well, it's, it's, it's coming in from Huberman all angles. Yeah. Loses weight. Huberman might be. <laughs> Um, no, but this is a, a, a trend that is differing from what humans have always done. So medicine in and of itself has always been based on solving problems mm-hmm. rather than preventing them moving forward. And that's largely just because we don't have the data, we don't have the money, and that's just a result of, of what it's become. I think that we're now seeing a step shift in the amount of money that people have, um, the awareness, the products that we have to monitor our bodies, which is going to allow us to be a little bit more um, proactive mm-hmm. in longevity. I so say once it once it's become easier to focus on long, longevity as well, or easier to be healthy. Technically, hundred percent. There right? was a there was a really great chart that was going semi viral on Twitter over the last couple of days, which it showed the percentile you need to be in in terms of physical condition on a uh, VO two max mm. um, test mm-hmm. in order to feel 30 years younger when you're 75 years old and it's you got to be in the 95th percentile and you will feel 35 years younger it's effectively it just tells you to get in good shape mm-hmm. and to not avoid cardiovascular and strength exercising mm-hmm. and um to continue mm-hmm. like my father-in-law better shape than i am it's kind of depressing but 
Yeah. Um, he's definitely in that 95 percentile. So if I can just focus on him as my pace car. There you Dwayne go. Hutton, perfect. I mean, can he snipe on Cheddar, though? No. In tier 16 men's He also league? can't break 70, so. <laughs> um, crypto, new bull market. I mean, it pretty much is already. Yeah. I think it's probably going to continue. Software moats erode with AI. This is something more so for me that I need to pay attention to. Software companies have always had this beautiful, like, high-margin business. I'm seeing that those seats have eroded in terms of when you're looking at Salesforce, if you're looking at Twilio, if you're looking at any number of software companies over the last 18 months, they've struggled to grow because companies are cutting down on how many seats they have within their business. So when you think about a large accounting firm, they're going to have a Microsoft suite and it has each person has their own seat because mm-hmm. they are an employee and they need the suite themselves, yep. right? Yep. The seat contraction because people have laid people off has occurred, but also the growth mandate um, has come at the the cost of less employees, mm. which has struggled to expand the, the, the revenues from these software companies. I also think that AI is making um, a, it's intruding, which is effectively saying it's removing the need for a lot of these software products. When you look at a, like a, a picture of every software company that exists mm-hmm. and all the things that it tries to accomplish, like it's it's kind of insane. There's there's literally tens of thousands of them. Yeah. Um, AI, I think, will eliminate a lot of them. A contraction. Then, yeah, yeah, and it'll just it'll reduce the size of the pie. The pie has been growing quite substantially for a long period of time. I think that's at an end with with artificial intelligence and its integration into other more important apps. Call it the Microsoft suite, Salesforce mm-hmm. suite, et cetera. So not even, we talked about this before in terms of AI's, like AI companies, but then like AI technology in the software companies, like how are how are companies internally using it for their product and their rollout in addition to new companies yeah. starting or whatever it might be. And this then bleeds into number 10, valuation dispersion widens. That basically means that there's going to be a huge delta between the bottom in terms of like companies, when you think about mm-hmm. the, the S&P 500, you have 494 names and then you have big seven, right? So I don't think that that conversation on this podcast is going anywhere. No, um, we're probably going to continue to talk about it. I don't see any reason why you're going to see a return of the valuation multiples um, for companies that just aren't growing like they are. Mm-hmm. They continue to steal from everybody else. And until we get some teeth on anti competitive regulation mm-hmm. where they actually can win. I just don't see how this can possibly happen. They need to start stripping out the 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 cash flow generators for each one of the large tech companies and I just don't see anybody willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, a new generation of social media product is born. I don't know what the heck this is going to be, but I do think it will happen in 2024. I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Who knows where it ends up being, but I, I anticipate it's probably going to have something to do with video games. Um, India has a blockbuster startup IPO. I don't know which one this is going to be, but if you're looking at a market in which is in its new China mo- mode, or I should say, it feels like India is China 2008. It looks really, really interesting. Definitely want to grab exposure to it if you can. I'll be watching it more and more. Every, all the, the thought leaders are talking about it. Um, US IPO market reopens and M&A stalls with regulation. Mm-hmm. So. M&A being the big seven can't buy any more little businesses. That'll probably continue to happen. Um, 
the IPO market reopens with Spanx and, and Stripe. I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff going public with multiples being higher again, mm -hmm. people feeling wealthier, and with interest rates artificially coming down. Yeah. So it's just... I was going to say that because I think coming off uh, the lowest IPO year over the last oh, yeah, 10 or something, right? Sure. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. There was just so, no one going public. Why yeah. would you when multiples are low, right? You're not going to get the amount of money you want. And what, um, what small, usually happens with those pendulums? Yeah, small cap tech IPOs will make a comeback. So again, multiples being better. Um, venture capitalists wanting exits. I think that that'll return, um, which is also going to be good for the investment banks out there. Mm -hmm. AI deflates healthcare. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, effectively what I'm suggesting here is that with the our ability to compute and generate better research because of artificial intelligence, I think that that will improve our healthcare and then it results in better costs mm -hmm. um, or the lowering of costs. Digital detoxes go mainstream. Um, I don't know if this was a topic between you and your wife or you and your friends. It has been for me and my wife. She wants me off my phone more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I need to have it. I've removed it in the bedroom after nine o'clock or 9.30. Mm. I just, no, no TV in the bedroom, no cell phone in the bedroom. I've struggled with it in four days, five days, but I could see the benefits already. I'm stretching because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the value of culture will skyrocket in the AI age. So this is kind of a long form one that I wanted to kind of talk through with you before we move on to the next ones. Um, I don't know if you, do you kind of understand what I'm suggesting with this? There will be more value put on human experience yeah like community yeah i think that that is skyrocketing or it's going to skyrocket much more than what because i think it's deteriorated with our obsession with our phones well i, I think what i was gonna yes 100 i what i was gonna say as a another piece of trying to explain or what my perspective is on what that comment means is if i'm a half or a glass half full type perspective on what ai can mean for my life it's that i should have more time to spend with human interaction with my friends, with my family, mm -hmm. doing things. If if my life is quote unquote going to be easier because of certain technologies allowing me to spend less time doing whatever it might be, shopping, fixing, so whatever it might be. I also think that it's going Which to is be like more I, of a and I assume this is like this is twenty twenty four in terms of a trend or something that's going to start. This is something that should be long term yes at the end of the day i just yeah it's going to continue to expand content itself is becoming a commodity mm -hmm. if you look at i don't know the top 10 magazines or or article producers mm -hmm. they're all using artificial intelligence to produce readable content when you go on sports center and they have all that that sports roundup for mm -hmm. the night prior that's yeah. all written by ai mm -hmm. the majority of content's going that direction i think that our our interest in our certain influencers that we enjoy, that yep. is going to continue to be more and more important and mm -hmm. now cemented themselves mm -hmm. as entertainers in that space. Mm -hmm. However, building a community locally is going to become much more important, whether that revolve itself around athletics, fitness, um, daycare, school. I don't know what it is. It's mm -hmm. going to become more important. So your municipality or your community, wherever you're living, the people that you're spending time in with in real life, mm -hmm. at work, um, 
I think is going to increase the amount of money we're spending on it's going to increase and it's going to decrease how much we're we're going to decrease how much we're spending online i think the expectation on on the content as well is going to go up for quality yeah totally agree yeah i, I just I, I i struggle to see why anybody would increase when in my opinion it, it the the amount of value you get from it's decreasing i was talking to so I was at a wedding on New Year's Eve, actually, and I was speaking with somebody about one of their friends who is a mostly Instagram influencer, and they were just saying how much of a shift there has been in their content toward just ad-only stuff. So there's like their what made them interesting, at least to this person previously, was obviously their ability. Like, not that you aren't supposed to run a business and, and earn some money, but obviously there was a mix-in of information that was important that was interesting and important to them whether it be like you know being a mom or being you know, a working mom and and her her experiences and lived experiences and and giving her perspective and thoughts on that and how that has shifted away and to just being hey this is the you know superstore ad for grocery shopping or this is the dyson ad for a vacuum or whatever it might be and how it's it's almost felt like a it's felt like you're tuning into a commercial on TV rather than what it was before. And so there has been like whether or not that's anecdotal and saying that I don't like that or I don't like this content anymore, but I feel like overall like I mean again it doesn't matter who you talk or what bigger influence there are influencers are in the world, they're all doing ads um and targeted ads for specific things at times obviously when the money makes sense, but you need to be continue to be interesting and have that high quality content to make you engaging because like to your point i think if we start spending potentially less time in total on our phones on these apps the time that we are spending is the the expectation is going to be that we are getting quality content that is that you don't feel like you're talking to a robot oh yeah our expectations are increasing yeah it, their quality has to go up, it, whether it be the actual verbal content or um, something otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, moving on, the Fed will hike more than it will cut in 2024. I just don't think there's any reason to cut rates at this point, given the fact that we haven't seen a crack in employment. So if we can stay at these interest rates, I don't see why they're going to cut. That isn't the case in, in Canada. But you think they'll hike? more than they'll, than they'll cut. I don't see any reason why they're going to end up having to cut right now. And if we do get a cut, it's not in the first quarter. So the fact that I my perspective on this would be that the, the six to nine month outlook is predicting cuts. Mm -hmm. You're saying that the S&P sees a plus 15% gain this year. Mm -hmm. How do those two predictions well I, I don't believe that there's any reason why the stock market can't go up mm -hmm. with interest rates going up because we proved that it happened last year it didn't happen in 2020 after some stabilization totally yeah we're making near we're at almost all-time highs with five percent interest rates okay cut a little bit at least in canada because i my mortgage comes up for renewal i also think that we're going to end up getting a break though we're going to see a uh Canada is going to shift away from what the United States is doing. Mm. And we're not going to be able to track them in the way in which we've always done. Yeah. So 
that is more of a ballsy bet, and I'll be following that. And I, while this is a prediction, extending yourself to twenty four predictions was very hard to do. So <laughs> we're not going to get a Bitcoin spot ETF in twenty four either. Um, I think gold's going to sell off. No banks are going to fail. Ooh. So a lot of people are calling for failures here because honestly, there's so many people that think the world's going to end. Anyways, I'm I'm being bold and saying it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, China equities will outperform. I've been saying this for two years. Let's triple down here. Um, <laughs> year over year, U.S. CPI measure for all of 2024 will exceed 2023. So that means that I think that we're going to see a reacceleration of inflation. Mm-hmm. And the big seven are going to outperform the S&P 500, 493 or 494. So those are my predictions for the year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun to go. I, I like this activity, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, you put some skin in the game. Well, and, it, and it's just, I think a lot of this stuff, I think good mix in there of some like trendy related things. I think specifically I, the, the, the ones that appealed to me the most. And I think that I already see intrinsically starting to make a lot of, or in my face a lot, just as a kind of casual user of, of the content machines and hearing just I've talked to people a lot with my job. So just hearing what they're interested in and what they're doing. I think the, the healthcare health focus, Ozempic longevity stuff. I think that's going to be, like you said, like in terms of the AI boom that we saw in terms of that being in your face and the, the apps and the, whatever it might be that was, felt like every other week they were talking about obviously a new chat GPT coming out and uh, you know, this app do this and this scheduler and whatever it might be. I re- I'm really starting to see a shift um, towards that kind of health conscious related stuff in our content that we're, that we're seeing and listening to and just changing overall sentiment, which I mean, again, there's depending on your, if you're a, a pessimist or an optimist, I think it, you, you could probably see some bad things coming from that. And there's always going to be um, some of, of that, no matter what the topic is. But the this is a trend where I can see, I'm like, you know, if we can get more people interested in, in tracking their, their health and being interested in taking care of themselves and for, you know, not just now, but into the future, I think it's a positive, a net positive at the end of the day. So that's kind of the one that, jumped out at me as being a one that I'm going to be really watching. Cause I, I, again, I think, I think it is so trendy where it's, it's going to have this huge peak and it's going to be interesting to watch to see how, how far that goes. I think you're right. I'd hate your middle of the road. I don't make, I'd I don't be a good make president. Positions. You would be, you'd be a good prime minister. You'd never make president. You are not outrageous enough. <laughs> However, in I think Canada, that's, that's going to be. We, we didn't really talk about any election predictions uh, on that, which I'm is not so hard even at this making point. them right now because I don't no. even know the two front runners are going to be the people that are exactly. That is actually that's the like, the amount of the amount of uncertainty there is, and I feel like the one thing that gives me pause with it as well is you get the the headline news like. Trump indicted on 40,000 counts of X and Biden falling off his bike again. And like all, like all of these, all these factors and like major news stories coming out saying like why they're not going to be the two front runners. But then like 
the stories just drag like the months just go on and they're still there and they're still polling the highest and 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 it's like what's happening here like it just the obviously i mean old man shaking his fist at the cloud here but just thinking back to like when we were kids or and then like early adults like what the election cycle looked like it's just so far gone to what like what this is it's just like even like this like you talking about listening to or watching the town hall last night like that wasn't even registering for me you know what i, I mean know. even in the last three years it's completely changed yeah our di- diet of media has completely shifted and this is that fracturing that yeah. we talk about almost monthly mm-hmm. of what people are watching it's so different from person to person mm-hmm. i'm probably more of a traditionalist than what i'm watching now versus what a gen z person is for sure and when i compare my my diet to my in-laws i'm way out there mm-hmm. right so um it's weird man you talk to anyone and nobody is watching the same thing and it we- makes for challenging um it, it makes it tough for everybody's views to line up mm-hmm. which is hard when you're looking at politics mm-hmm. it's what makes things so hard right now and that's where unfortunately fortunately the dogma of that is supported by being the the most likely winner of a candidate or the most likely winning candidate is you have to be extreme in order to garner attention and people's ideas yeah. are moving further and further away from each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is creating this this current dynamic, especially in the United States. So well, I, say, wah, I think wah. one of our often named podcast listens, like with the with the all in, I know like Jason Kalkanis has been having, I think might be weekly or biweekly or monthly discussions with Dean Phillips, who is a, a dem. He's a Dem, yeah. Um, I forget where he's out of, but he's a congressman. Isn't it? Isn't he like from Connecticut? Yeah, he might be somewhere like that. But anyways, like he he is his polling numbers have gone from like obviously non-existent to like twenty one or twenty two. Like he's passed everybody else that has been like on the card or in the running or really? discussing it. Yeah. Um. I mean, and again, like this Get is looking on at Rogan, one poll. He might be number one. Well, that's the that's the thing though right it's like you're looking at how these how these candidates are are trying to present themselves like i think he's been on with like mar before and and stuff like that like that's the direction that it has to, it's not it's not getting up and debating not with six more. other people no. like other than like how trump used that was just for viral moments yeah he needed so like, the 30 like second clip calling jeb bush's or jeb bush uh low energy and calling uh t- Cruz's wife, uh, ugly pig or whatever, like the most ridiculous outlandish things that just created buzz. But then like where he got most of his notoriety is either through X again with what he's saying in all caps and getting retweeted 50 million times or Fox news having exclusives with him and pushing, you know, singular, like no one was getting singular time like him. Yeah. All you need to be is top of mind. And that's what yeah. people will vote for. They're not going to leave their party. And I mean, people in the mm-hmm. middle are going to be what you, that swing this election. And right now, I think a lot of people are upset with, unfortunately, I, I honestly can't believe people are upset with Biden, but they just assume he's too old. And that's where I believe that is, yeah, for sure. people are finding issue. And if you don't see a change in the Democratic leadership, I just can't see how Trump doesn't run away with it. Well, yeah, I think, I think 
early early polls still say that Biden would beat, beat Trump, but nobody else would. No, so the seven. <laughs> I know. So the seven swing states yeah. that matter. Yeah, Trump is polling ahead in five. Yeah, and that I, yeah, is just, really what matters. Obviously, on the on a on a gross vote. If you're looking at the popular vote, yeah, yeah. I think Biden would win. But yeah. the Democrat it'll, always wins the popular vote. It, it'll be nice to dig in on this once we obviously have a clearer picture of what yeah. it's going to look like. And I think it's obviously going to be it. That is going to one of we didn't predict anything for 2024 in relation to it. But I think it's going to be obviously a major, major it's gonna be item of, 20, of 24. So looking forward I'll to I'll just be paying attention to Silver. <laughs> He's yeah, always got right. the best takes. Cam, I look forward to chatting with you next week. We're going to talk more about um, what's currently happening rather than what's going to happen mm -hmm. it's always easier to talk about what's going to happen though so it's way more fun we're gonna have a great week yeah you too we'll talk to you then